0: the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Greetings this morning in Jesus' precious name. It's a blessing to be here with you all again today. God is good. He's given us a beautiful day. And it's exciting to be here to be able to sing and to worship the Lord together. It's a beautiful uh, song service this morning. Like a river glorious... Is God's perfect peace? If our hearts are stayed on Jehovah, we will have that perfect peace in our hearts. I'm sure we all need that, and uh, that's the answer. We stay our hearts upon Him. We can find that perfect peace that passeth all understanding. Well, this morning, I to be honest, I don't feel like I have a lot, but uh, I do want to share a little bit. Something here that came to my mind as I was thinking about sharing this morning. Um, something I read in my devotions yes, yesterday morning. I've been going through a, uh, a Bible reading plan, and I was been going through Second Samuel, reading about King David and Saul and David's difficulties. Um, he was the anointed king, but he was in hiding a lot of the time, and it was just—it's just very interesting going through all that, um, many things that David went through. Um, but then he wrote this this Psalm of Deliverance, and I'd like to uh, to read that this morning. Um, so if we could go to Second Samuel chapter twenty-one. I feel like I'm going to have quite a bit of reading, so hopefully you can uh, you can stay with me. But I trust that God's Word can speak to our hearts. So 2 Samuel chapter 21, and I'm going to break in at verse 14, and then we will... Uh, We'll go into chapter 22, and chapter 22 is also found in Psalms 18, if y'all know, have read Psalms 18, this is the same, the same account, same uh, psalm, um, it's always been a blessing to me, a lot of, a lot of things in it. So, as we uh, start in here in verse 14 of chapter 21, just prior to that, um, they had three years of famine, and David inquired of the Lord why they were having this famine, or what the issue was, and it came came out that it was—I'm not sure if I'll go through the whole explanation here—but but basically, Saul had— Made war against the I think it was the Gibeonites, and there was some oath between them that had been happened prior that they would that they would be left alone um, anyway. Saul decided he was going to do a good thing and he was going to fight them and so there must have been a battle sometime previously anyway, because of that God was not pleased, and he that 's the reason for this three years of famine so so David asked these Gibeonites, what they should do to, uh, he says here in verse 3, What shall I do for you, and wherewith shall I make the atonement, that ye may bless the inheritance of the Lord? So they asked that seven of Saul's sons be killed. So that's what they did. And and after that was done, um, the famine was all over. So anyway, it's kind of an interesting little account there. But then even before this, previous chapters... Um, many different things that David experienced in his life um, being hunted by Saul um, being in hiding um, even the whole I believe it was the whole the whole of Israel actually t- actually followed after someone else for a time there um, and there was still I think the tribe of uh, I forget which tribe it was now that stayed with David um, Anyway, just one of the tribes of Israel, and all the rest of Israel uh, followed after someone else. So that would have been, I'm sure, quite, quite the feeling to, uh, to David there to have that happen. So we, we'll break in here in verse 14, and it says, And the bones of Saul and Jonathan his son buried they in the country of Benjamin in Zila in the sepulcher of Kish his father. And they performed all that the king commanded, and after that God was entreated for the land. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down, and his servants with him, and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. And Ishbinab, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed three hundred shekels of brass and weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, succored him, and smote the Philistine, and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. And it came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibekai the Hushathite slew Saph, which was of the sons of the giant. And there, was again a, and, and there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of I'm not sure how to say that name. Jer, Jer, a, a Oregon, a Bethlehemite slew the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was yet a battle in Gath, where was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers, and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number. And he also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan the son of Shimei, the brother of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So this giant, in verse 20, that they said had six fingers and six toes, that must have been quite a uh, quite a situation there. I don't know how big he was, but these, these giants they were talking about, there was four of them. I think it was four different battles that they had. Um, and they were no... No small men, they were big men. Um, I looked it up a little bit, and there's kind of a, there's different ideas of how tall these men were. Um, they would have been similar to Goliath. The one was actually a brother of Goliath. Um, anywhere from seven to ten feet tall is what it, what, what they think. So uh, facing one of those eight-foot-tall giants with a 16-pound uh, spear in his hand and a brand-new sword that would be a, that would not be a fun thing to have happen to you, but God was with these men, and they 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 won the battle with these men and and God saved them anyway after all that happened, David was feeling very very um, very victorious and thankful, so he wrote this psalm in chapter twenty two and i 'd like to go through and read this and You all can uh, take out of it what you can, apply it to your life. I'll share a few things as we go through here. So starting in verse 1 of chapter 22, it says, And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. When the waves of death compassed me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid, the sorrows of hell compassed me about, the snares of death prevented me. I like to uh, look at verse 5. It says, When the ways of death come past me, I, I had the thought of when we were in Haiti, we had um, different times that hurricanes were, were potentially coming through, and so we would try to prepare for that. Actually, never happened. But I'm sure you've seen pictures of maybe uh, Florida, wherever along the coast, when a hurricane comes in, it's like this wall, just this, this solid wall of water, and it's, it's blowing everything. The palm trees are swaying back and forth and they're about breaking off and just the idea of um, the waves of death you know if you were caught in that in the middle of that thinking of this water just washing over you blowing you over and you know you, you almost get this feeling of just you know get me out of here you know this is this is not something I want to be in and David was giving this thought here of when the waves of death come past me all around him and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The other uh, thought here is the sorrows of death. Um, another version said the cords, of, the cords of hell entangled me. If you think about that, you know, these cords just coming and entangling you all up. Um, you know, that's the last thing that we want It's being tangled, tangled up from, with cords. It's not a pretty picture. In my distress, verse 7, I called upon the Lord and He and cried to my God and he did hear my voice out of his temple and my cry did enter into his ears. I like that thought of how his cry entered into his ears. They didn't just come before him but they actually went inside. <laughs> I guess we can at least yeah, get that visual of how our cries they actually touch the heart of God. It's not just a uh, as uh, something in the surface <clears throat> but they go in inside his ears entered in then the earth shook and trembled the foundations of heaven moved and shook because he was wroth there went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured coals were kindled by it he bowed the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet and he rode upon a cherub and did fly and he was seen upon the wings of the wind who else is able to do this? The earth shook and trembled, the foundations of heaven moved and shook because God was angry. <laughs> that's that's our God. Verse 11 and he wrote and he rode upon a cherub and did fly and he was seen upon the wings of the wind and he made darkness pavilions round about him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. Through the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and discomfited them. And the channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were discovered. At the rebuking of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. And I was just thinking, there he talks about he brought me forth into a large place. There was a time where David was being hunted by Saul, and he went into a a cave and hid in a cave. And you can just imagine it's probably just a small small area. And, um, you know, it's kind of when you're in something small and you know someone's hunting you it's it's pretty scary <laughs> because you probably have one way in and you don't have much room to run run away um, but it says here he brought me forth into a large place, you know if you have a large area, you have more places to run to someone's coming after you so that uh that thought stood out to me um verse. Verse 21 The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands hath he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also upright before him, and have kept myself from mine iniquity. Therefore the Lord hath recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyesight. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful, and with the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure, and with the froward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. And the afflicted people, thou wilt save. But thine eyes are upon the haughty, that thou mayest bring them down. Says the afflicted people, thou wilt save. Is that... Does that uh, encourage you? It doesn't say the people that are are good, he'll save. It says the afflicted people. I'm sure we all have our times of affliction. It says, God will save. Thou wilt save. Then verse 30, or verse 29 For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop. By my God have I leaped over a wall. Now, that verse has stood out to me ever since I was a young young boy. I don't know why. It's, it's probably one of my favorite verses. Just, just the, the word picture that gives of how I have run through a troop, and I could imagine a, maybe a troop of soldiers, um, heavily armed soldiers, and it says he just ran through them. My side reference says, talks about being invincible. For by thee... With God's help, I have run through a troop, and by my God, have I leaped over a wall. In the Bible, or in the in the, back in the Bible times, when you think of a wall around a city, their walls were very, very tall. I'm not sure exactly how tall they were, but they were no just um, six foot fence. It was a very, very tall thing. And just this thought of with God's strength and power, David just leaped right over one of those walls. That's just uh, an amazing thought to think about. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is, a bu- he is a buckler to all them that trust in him. That word buckler means to protect by shielding and to defend. That's God. For who is God? Save the Lord. And who is a rock? Save our God. God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds' feet, and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, so that my feet did not slip. I have pursued mine enemies, and destroyed them, and turned not again until I had consumed them. And I have consumed them, and wounded them, that they could not arise. Yea, they are fallen under my feet." these next few verses, David talks about um, basically consuming his enemies and breaking their necks and all, all sorts of different things. Um, as, we read, as we read through it, just, just put in mind maybe that the, the uh, enemies we face are temptations. Um, think of it that way and how, how God gave David the power to, to conquer these enemies he had. Uh, verse 41, Thou hast also given me the necks of mine enemies, that I might destroy them that hate me. They looked, but there was none to save, even unto the Lord, but he answered them not. Then did I beat them as small as the dust of the earth. I did stamp them as the mire of the street, and did spread them abroad. Thou also hast delivered me from the strivings of my people. Thou hast kept me to be head of the heathen, a people which I knew, sh- which I knew not shall serve me. "'Strangers shall submit themselves unto me. "'As soon as they hear, they shall be obedient unto me. "'Strangers shall fade away, "'and they shall be afraid out of their close places. "'The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, "'and exalted be the God of the rock of my salvation. "'It is God that avengeth me, "'and that bringeth down the people under me, "'and that bringeth me forth from mine enemies. "'Thou also hast lifted me up on high "'above them that rose up against me. "'Thou hast delivered me from the violent man.' Therefore, I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and I will sing praises unto thy name. He is the tower of salvation for his king, and showeth mercy to his anointed unto David and to his seed forevermore. And his seed includes us. He showeth mercy to his anointed unto David and to his seed forevermore. Well, that chapter encourages me. Um, the next chapter then he talks about how these are the last words of David um, and then there's a few uh, words that David shares in the next chapter. Now I'm not sure if this psalm here was also in the same time frame but it would almost sound like these were also probably maybe the last words of David or some of the last words. Um, That was kind of an interesting side note. So I'd like to go back to verse, verse 20. It says, He delivered me because he delighted in me. And that, that thought kind of struck me. Why did he deliver David? Why does he deliver us? Because he delights in us. And I want that thought to, uh, I guess, to go deep into my heart. God delights in you. God Delights in Me. I found this uh, article that I'd like to read in relation to this. Um, It's actually by David Wilkerson. The title is, God Delights in You. The Holy Spirit gave David a revelation that is the key to all deliverance. David could say, the reason God delivered me from all my enemies, from all my sorrows and the powers of hell, is because I am precious to him. My God delights in me. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Do you need deliverance from lust, temptation, or trial, from a problem that's mental, spiritual, emotional, or physical? The key to your victory is in this verse. God delights in you. You are precious to him. In Song of Solomon, the Lord says of his bride, How fair and how pleasant art thou, O love, for delights. Three of the Hebrew words in this verse are synonymous. Fair, meaning precious, pleasant, indicating pleasure, and delights. So there's three, three words there. Um, fair, pleasant, and delight. These words describe Jesus' thoughts toward his bride as he beholds her. He looks at her and says, How beautiful, sweet, and delightful you are. You are precious to me, O love. In turn, the bride boasts, I am my beloved's, and his desire is towards me. The meaning here is he runs after me with delight. He chases me because I am so precious to him. These same thoughts are found throughout the Psalms. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him in those that hope in his mercy. The Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. I can try to convince you of God's delight in you by telling you, you are precious to the Lord, yet you may think that's sweet, but it's only a lovely thought. No, this truth is much more than a lovely thought. It is the very key to your deliverance from every battle that rages in your soul. It is the secret to entering into the rest God has promised you. Until you lay hold of it, until it becomes a foundation of truth in your heart, you won't be able to, un- to withstand the trials of life. Isaiah had a revelation of God's great delight in us. He prophesied, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine." When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Isaiah wasn't talking about a literal flood or fire. He was talking about what people go through spiritually and mentally. Israel was in captivity at the time. Their floods were trials, their fires were temptations, their rivers were testings. These were all Satan's attempts to destroy and overwhelm God's people. Isaiah's words were a message of pure mercy to Israel. The people were in captivity because of their own stupidity and foolishness. But God sent them a broken-hearted prophet who said, "God wants me to tell you that you belong to him." Right now, you may be in the midst of your own swirling waters. You may feel overwhelmed by a trial or temptation that threatens to consume you. You've got to understand from these biblical examples that the Lord does not always calm the waters. He doesn't always keep the floods from coming or put out the fires. Yet he does promise this, I will walk with you through it all. This trial or circumstance will not destroy you, it won't consume you, so walk on. You'll come out on the other side with me beside you. Well, I trust that as an encouragement to you. <clears throat> May we uh, remember that this week, that God delights in us. And let's take that to heart. God bless you with that.